Amen. Your goodness is running after me. His goodness is running after you. Hey, if you'd turn to Matthew chapter 15 with me this morning. Oh, got to let the two to six-year-olds go. Two to six-year-olds. Got youth today too. How many youth do we got today? Nathaniel. What? What? I get to go? Sometimes after you've had two older brothers that are always getting to do stuff all the time, it's like shocking that you get to go, right? Mary Charles? Yeah. Nathaniel says, what? That was, that was priceless. I love that. Um, and there's picks and tuners and everything back here. Hey, I'm just moving them over here. So, <clears throat> I wanted to get started back into uh, the teaching on the tabernacle, but uh, I'm still working on a couple illustrations, and I really want to um, have the illustrations to help drive points home to us, and so uh, I'm going to share with you something that uh, I journaled on this morning. So in Matthew 15, I'm, I'm going to talk with you guys about a portion of Scripture um, that if you're like me, you read through it and you go, man, Jesus seems mean. And a friend of mine um, refers to this as the mean Jesus. Um, but the truth is, what we're going to do is unpack it and realize that Jesus isn't mean. He's got a Jewish sense of humor. And uh, I want us to catch what Jesus is teaching here because um, it's important. And it's probably one of those things that in our Western cultural mindset that we miss, and it's critical that we get it. So in uh, Matthew 15, starting in verse 21, um, I'm going I'm to read here in a moment, but I'm gonna, I want to set this up because I think I think you guys know that sometimes I've said that you ever read scripture and think, man, Jesus was busy. You ever, you ever read scripture and think, man, Elijah was like, man, he was busy. And, and the point, the, the, the reality is, is yeah, they were, they were busy, but there was a lot of space in between. And, and I want to point something out to you uh, today that, um, Jesus is in the area of Gennesaret, and that's fairly close to the Sea of Galilee. And um, so it's in, it's kind of northern part of Israel, um, up by Nazareth. He's, he's up in that general area around the Sea of Galilee. And then where we pick up in uh, verse 21, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And... <clears throat> the reason why this is important 
is I want you guys to realize that he's going from point A to point B in, in regions, and the regions are around 45 to 50 miles away. And so when, when we talk about that, we think 45 to 50 miles away, okay, that's like going to Grable, right? No big deal. We could be there in an hour or less for some of us, all right? But they didn't hop in the car, right? They walked from point A to point B. And so 45 to 50 miles wasn't a day's journey, was it? So here's Jesus on the way, going there, and he gets there, and behold, a woman of Canaan, she was a, a, a Syrophoenician woman, uh, is how she's described, from that region, and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And this must have kept up for a while, right? Because then it says that his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. So can you imagine that, that maybe he hasn't arrived at his destination and they're walking somewhere and this, this Gentile woman is following Jesus. Please have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, what's that term, son of David? Why is that significant? It's acknowledging what? That he, he is the Messiah, exactly. So when, he's, when she's crying out, remember, this is not a Jewish woman. This is a Gentile woman. And she's crying out, O Lord, Son of David. So she has this revelation that she's not crying out to Joe Prophet that's coming through here. She's crying out to the Messiah and she continues to do so, and Jesus isn't answering a word. And you're thinking, what's his problem? Is he having a bad day? Does anybody else read through this and go, man, this is kind of harsh. Does anybody else, or is it just me? Just a couple of you? I, I read through. I, it's one of those places that I almost hate to see come up. And, and yet... I look at this and, and I realize there's something really, really deep going on here. And <clears throat> what, I'd, what I'd like to suggest to you is that God created a really, really feisty Canaanite woman, Gentile woman, who really loved her daughter. And he created her for more than just the purpose of loving her daughter. He created her so Jesus would have an illustration. Both to illustrate to her something and to illustrate to his disciples something. Because his, he didn't answer a word and she's still persistent. Do you guys see that? Most people, you know, if they're not getting an answer, what are they doing? Well, that didn't work. Isn't that what happens in prayer a lot of times for us? We pray, nothing happens. Well, that didn't work. 
this gal, she's just like keeps going on and on and on to the point where the disciples are like, please send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, now catch something here, you guys, because this is where the Jewish humor and, and the Jewish sense has to be grasped. Because when, when we interpret Scripture, we need to uh, interpret it not just how we want to interpret it, but we need to understand it how the writer, how the culture of the time. That's why studying Scripture is more than just reading it. Um, in fact, uh, listen up. Jesus said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. What Jesus is saying is, don't just hear that I'm talking, listen to what I'm saying. And, and one of the things that's happening today is, people are not wanting to listen to what Jesus is saying. They're not wanting to meditate on it. They're not wanting to chew on it. They're not wanting to write about it. They're not wanting to type anything out. They're just wanting to do their religious duty, read through it, and hope something sticks. But Jesus has more for us than that. He has way more than that for us. And so when he, when he says this, I, I went back and, and studied this, and uh, a Messianic Jewish guy said that in the culture... In the Jewish culture, what he was essentially saying to this woman, remember, they are not in Israel. I forgot to point that out. They are not in Israel right now. They, they took a hike up to um, Lebanon. Is that it? Yeah, Le isn't that it? Correct. Somebody help me. Lebanon. Lebanon. They're, they're, they took a hike up to Lebanon, so they are not in Israel anymore, and it's, it's appropriate because Jesus is out looking for the lost sheep of Israel. And here a Gentile woman comes along and says, my, my daughter is demon-possessed. I need help. And here's what Jesus is essentially saying to her. You're a Gentile woman. How is it that you know that I'm the Messiah? So you guys catch that? Because he, usually if, if what he was saying to her was rejection, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Isn't that how we kind of tend to read that? Like, I'm, I'm better than you. So, and that's not at all what Jesus is saying there. That's not the, the sense of what he's saying there. Because in verse 25, what does she do? Yeah, she came and worshipped him. You know, worship isn't one of those things that comes naturally for us when somebody just put us down. You're, you're kind of a stupid gal, you know. You don't seem to get it. I'm not sent to you. See, that's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying, how is it that I'm up here in Lebanon right now? I'm not even in Israel. How is it that you know I'm the Messiah and... My own people don't recognize it. He's recognizing there's something going on in her heart that isn't happening naturally in, in the other people's hearts. 
And, and by the way, if you guys go earlier in the, in the chapter, you'll see, um, see a problem in verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth. He's talking to, to uh, Jews. And specifically, he's talking to scribes and Pharisees from Jerusalem who came to Jesus in Gennesaret to talk to him and, and quiz him on stuff about washing hands, you know, and, and doing different things, you know, that are important, like washing your hands. You know, I, I read up on that. When they wash their hands, they wash their hands with clenched fists. <laughs> so we're not even talking about something that helps you be sanitary. You're just dipping your arms up to your elbows in the water with clenched fists. And I'm thinking... Well, they weren't even, like, really, like, what we would think, scrubbing their hands, you know, to get ready to eat. So they're talking about just dipping your arms in water to, to make a ceremony out of this. And, and Jesus says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so... That is earlier in the chapter, and here we are 45 to 50 miles away from there, and he's recognizing how is it that I wasn't really sent to you right now, but you recognize me. You guys catching the, the sense of that right now, the significance of this? And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And what I love about this is there's persistence. Yeah, there's persistence. She just keeps on. She's dogging them, which is kind of funny because we're going to talk about dogs here in a minute. But she's just dogging their steps, just wanting, wanting, please help my daughter. She recognizes not only that he's the Messiah, but she recognizes you are the one who can actually help my daughter. She's demon-possessed. Wow. Wow. And she said, Lord, help me, as she worshipped. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So this is where we talk about dogs. These are not street dogs. These are, these are household pets. And... Jesus is not, again, putting her down. I think Jesus, what he's doing here, is he's demonstrating something to the disciples, very, very critical, that my love extends first to my people, but it's always been meant to extend through my people to the rest of the world. Isn't that awesome? He loves us. In, in fact, he, he tells us as his body to care for the needs of one another and especially those of the household of faith. So, so he's, he's essentially saying something to this, to this woman here that first, I've got to accomplish what I've been sent to do because God is going to do his order of, of service to, to fulfill his promises but in so doing, 
I love her response, you know. Yeah, but, man, we, the dogs at least get the crumbs. You know, last night, Connie and I were having a little 12-inch pizza, and it was exceptionally good. I probably shouldn't advertise for anybody, but, man, the crust of 307 pizza is really, really good. Um, and my, my big hound was looking at me. I'd like to have some of that. <laughs> I'd really like to have some of that. You know, and I, I looked at, at her and I said, Bella, you don't know what sacrifice this is because I'm really enjoying this crust. And normally, we call them pizza bones at our house. Okay, because we give, we give the crust away to the dog, but that was one where I was like, okay, I'm going to tear off some for you and some for Sniffles. So the little dog got the same amount pretty much as the big hound. So I'm tearing them off, and they're just... <laughs> I don't know. This, I'm pro I might get in trouble for saying this, but sometimes I feel like I get to be a dog in the presence of my master. Because my dog always loves seeing me. My dog's always wagging her tail when I come home. She's always happy to see me. And I just think, God, I want to have that kind of heart to be in your presence that I just desire so much that I'm willing to just eat the crumbs. Could I have a piece of that pizza crust that you have there? I know you're not going to give me the whole piece of pizza, but could I at least have just a little smidgen? Can I have a taste of what you got? You guys, you guys catch that? That's what this woman's saying. She's just saying, okay, I'll be a dog. I'll be a dog, I'll humble myself. And, and, and all the while, the disciples are watching this going, what in the world is happening here? And we're not hearing that perspective of the disciples, but I guarantee you that Jesus is illustrating something. God created this woman with perseverance, persistence. She's dogging it. She's going after it. And in so doing the disciples realize that what God's plan is is bigger than they are. They can't quite get a grip on it. We know later, in fact, um, you guys know I love Acts chapter 10 because we have Peter getting a vision, we have Cornelius getting a vision, and they, all, they each have a piece of what's supposed to happen and the fullness of it doesn't come together until they get together. And then what's the plan? Gentiles are included. I know, right, Wayne? Yeah, and so Gentiles are included. And so there's this thing that God is up to, and Jesus is revealing it right here in Matthew 15 for us. And his, he answers her and said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Isn't that an awesome story? It's not quite as stinky as we usually read through it and think, man, Jesus is having an attitude problem there. We're realizing something that Jesus is, is not only revealing something to her, not only honoring something um, of her heart, but he's using that situation to unpack something 
for the disciples that they're going to need to know. Because they want to send her away. And Jesus, Jesus is kind of playing along with that, but he's at the same time embracing what's going on with her. Has anybody ever felt like an outcast? Like you don't fit in? Yeah? Here's the good news. Jesus says you do. Just be persistent. It didn't work out the way I thought it would. Keep pressing in. He loves us to be persistent. He loves for us to to learn and and to listen to what he's saying, to, to actually... Not just hear with our ears, but actually to ponder what he's speaking to us and, and allow him to draw us into that place. I, um, I would have had Lance share this, but since he's downstairs, um, I'm going to read this story from Alex because I think this fits in today. It's a, it's a great testimony because we've made an investment in Alex and her team and... Um, in fact, because of your giving, she had another opportunity come up that part of her team was being invited to go back to an orphanage that they had visited. And, um, but it required some extra money. And isn't it amazing how God just provides? And uh, I was able to, to send a message to her and say, well, we've already got money here waiting for you. So it's a green light as far as we're concerned. So it was just a matter of getting the money to dad and dad depositing it in her account so she could access it. But it was an extra expense for their trip that they weren't expecting to take advantage of. So I thought you guys would like to hear this story. You want, yes, yes. You want to hear this? I thought I would pass on another story from Alex. We were able to talk with her at length yesterday. A few weeks ago, there was a young Guatemala woman who was hit by a bus. It crippled her and did severe damage in her lower abdomen area. Alex had heard of the accident when it occurred. This past week, her and three other girls were sent to a village to minister, however God led them. Before they went out, they prayed and then discussed among them what was the one image that came to them. For Alex, it was this woman hit by the bus. The other girl was a scar on the abdomen. One girl was a red dot. And the final girl saw a 7-Up bottle. (laughs) Just think, that's pretty random, isn't it? So the girls went to the village, and of all the places, came to the home of the woman hit by the bus. They knocked, were welcomed in, and inquired about the injured woman if they might pray. As they entered the home on the table, there was a 7-Up bottle with a red dot on it, pointing the way to the woman's room. The injured woman lay on her bed with a scar across her stomach. The four of the girls knew something bigger was among them. They immediately prayed and wept with her. Her sister was among them and had been her caretaker, Each morning she would try to walk, but this day she did not because God had spoke to her that four girls were coming to pray, and then she would walk. 
The injured woman cried out to God in weeping and then stood up and began walking across the room the first time since the accident occurred. The whole house was rejoicing. But wait, there's more. When she got back to the base, she was confronted by a friend with a sore back. Her team leader was standing there and said, you want to see a miracle happen today? Alex was joking and said, I just did, and I need to be alone in process. The team leader asked the person with the bad back if one leg was longer than the other. Yes, how did you know? The person sat and they prayed, and Alex watched the leg grow to equal length. The team leader looked at Alex and said, See, God does do miracles. Alex said the whole day was an amazing experience, but so much for her mind to process at once. Here's what's happening. In Matthew 15, where I I just read and talked about the, the Seraphonician woman, the Gentile woman who is coming to Christ. She has a piece of the revelation that she needs. The disciples haven't received that revelation yet. Jesus is amazed that she has this revelation, that she understands who Jesus is, and he meets her with that healing power because her faith and her persistence, her humility... I love this picture again of Alex and these three other young ladies who pray, ask the Lord, what, what are you up to today, Jesus? Well, a uh, 7-Up bottle. That's what I'm up to today. How about a red dot? I'm into red dots today. You see, sometimes... We think what's going on is foolish, and it's the wisdom of God. And we need to probably be willing to be a little bit foolish, a little bit goofy, a little bit outside of ourselves to allow the Lord to do his work instead of us trying to fit him into our little boxes, all neat and nice. See, God, what I did for you made it all pretty. He's saying, I didn't ask you to do that. Persistence, faith, and humility. Persistence, faith, and humility. Lord, help us to not just hear you speaking, not just read the word, but Lord, help us to digest it. Help us to allow what you're speaking to us to become a part of us. Lord, help us not to walk out the door the same way that we came in, but Lord, that there would be a change made in our heart. That Lord, there would be a tenacity about your church. Lord, not a sense of entitlement, but Lord, a sense of faith to reach for the things that, Lord, you want to provide for us. 
Amen. Amen. I want to read one more little thing to you guys. When I start reading, you're going to say, you had to turn there? What am I going to read? Anybody take a guess? What did you say, Mary Charles? Exactly. You win. Yes, we do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In this one, I'll just quote, if God is for us, who could be against us? Keep persisting. Keep a humble heart. Keep the faith. Press in to what he wants to do, not only in you, because he was doing something in that woman, but he was doing something huge through her. And I believe God wants to continue doing that in us and through us. Amen.